So, without further ado, and by the way, many of our friends are here today. Thank you for coming up all the way from wherever you came from, Lansing, Wacusta, not Wacusta, or Pawamo, Westvalia, right? Is it farm country down there? Uh, all you guys, I guess Wacusta, yeah, because Mark, Mark, where do you guys live? Mark, still in Wacusta? You moved to DeWitt. Uh, you moved up. Okay, gotcha. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I, I love all you guys. Thank you for coming up and, and celebrating our 20 years this year. And we met this man and his beautiful wife a uh, <laughs> long time ago, 1981. And you've heard our testimony. Uh, we walked in, we celebrated Pastor Snook's final retirement, he was the pastor, and that following week they asked the youth pastor, Dave Williams, to start speaking as interim. And after, I think it was about three months, if I remember right, one of the board guys goes, hey, what about Dave? Because every week you got better and better, and, and you'll get a kick out of this, Dr. Dave. It's like every week somebody tells me, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. So that tells me I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm still not at your caliber. But would you give a warm Mount Hope Church, the Hope Welcome, to Dr. Dave Williams. And we want to honor Mary Jo too, because you're such a big part of our life. Love you. Thank you, Pastor Norm. Thank you, everybody. I am so excited to be here. If I wasn't here, I'd be somewhere else. And who would want to be anywhere else than at the 20-year anniversary celebration for Pastor Norm and Barb and the Hope Gaylord? God bless you for being here. You know, I've got the most wonderful friends Annette, she is, uh, she's up here from Lansing, and her husband, Larry. Larry drives the most beautiful motorcycle you've ever seen in your life. It's an Indian. And I watched that movie about the Indian uh, guy that raced in Anthony Tompkins. Hopkins, yeah, yeah. Oh, you watched it too. You didn't watch that other one he made, did you? Okay. But anyway, uh, Annette is our accounting lady at our ministry. God bless you, Annette, for being here, and Larry, and John and Debbie Felposh back there. God bless you. I heard you provided everybody real big, thick steaks last night. Huh? I'm glad I wasn't there. I couldn't eat one. I couldn't eat one. And Rick and Lydia and Mark and Jeanette Brunette. You know, I, 46 years they've been married. Norm and Barb. Now, you call him Pastor Norm, but every once in a while I just I forget and say Norm and Barb because they're such good friends. And uh, Mark and, and Jeanette are with, and prayer partners, Rick and Lydia are here praying with your intercessors. And I was really pleased to meet your intercessors this morning. They're great. You know, a church, I don't know how a church can ever do without solid prayer partners in the background. That's the engine of the church. That's the nerve center. But you know, a little over 20 years ago, I got a call from the district office and the superintendent said, Dave, 
We got a church up in Gaylord that's in big trouble. I said, oh, why are you calling me? <laughs> well, they're in deep, deep debt. And there's only about one member left. Could you send somebody up to revitalize that church? And I said, well, I know somebody who's ready, but I don't want to lose them. And it was Pastor Norm and Barb. They were our children's pastors at Mount Hope in Lansing. And uh, they decided to come up, and they fit in here like a hand and glove. And by the way, Scott and Ruth, God bless you. It's great to be ministering together again. And that was uh, a one presentation you gave us. And the way you thanked everybody for being your partner there in Indonesia. God bless you, Scott and Ruth. Well, I hope I haven't missed anybody except my wife, but I'm bringing her up in a minute. Because uh, your pastor, I knew he was the answer for Gaylord. I didn't want it to be that way. But they came, they worked, they loved they sopped up raw sewage. They made straight many crooked paths up here. They persevered. They continued their education. Pastor Norm just got his master's degree, and both of them are ordained ministers. Norm, state chaplain for the state police, and I know he works 60 to 80 hours a week. Somehow, he managed to still get his master's degree, even though the certificate has not yet arrived. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to help that. Mark and Jeanette, would you come up? Mary Jo, would you come up? Because we want to just take care of some niceties here before we get into the prophetic word. But Norman Barb, would you come up? Where's Pastor Barb? Come up here. We wanted to honor you on this 20-year anniversary of pastoring the hope here in Gaylord, Michigan. So who, who's this one for? This is this Mary Jo, have you give this to Pastor Barb, and I'll give this to Pastor Norm. And this is Mark and Jeanette Brunette, and uh, they do those roofs that aren't the steel roofs. You know, we worked together at Ponderosa when we were teenagers. At Ponderosa? You did? All of you did? Yes. I hated Ponderosa. I just, I... She was the manager. <laughs> you were the manager? I loved Ponderosa. I loved Ponderosa. The one, the one in Lansing I loved. But, Norm, since they never sent you that master's degree certificate yet. It's coming. It's coming. It is coming uh, from North Point. I wanted to uh, present you with this certificate of honor. And you know what? This couple is deserving your honor to the maximum. They have committed their lives more deeply to Jesus Christ to watch over your souls than you'll ever know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, and, and thank you for 20 years of 
amazing and godly and righteous service. And the, what I wrote on here is a little bit different for each of you. Similar, but a little bit different. So you can hang those up until, until that other one gets here. You know, okay. God bless you guys. That means a lot. And may the Lord give them another 20 years. How about that? Amen. Mary Jo, God bless you. Thank you for helping me out on this. Is that Thanks for letting us be up here to celebrate with you. You have awesome pastors, and we're so excited about the future here in Gaylord and all the souls that are coming in for this great end-time harvest. And yes. you're all a part. I love what they said. It's not just them. It's all of you working together. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, and honey, yeah. I went to school with Mary Sarbo. Did you know that? I think I did. Yeah, she we was a couple years behind me, Ron. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ron Sarbo, how, how, what's it like having a guy from the UP in your church? <laughs> They're no different than us, are they? Even though they still call us trolls because we're under the bridge. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Pastor Norman Barb and fellow members of, of this church, I'm going to bring a little message to you in a minute, but I want to bring some prophetic words to you. Um, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary, and the Hebrews had a group of rabbis that were mystics. They were kind of mystical, and they believed in what they called gematria. It's every number has a value, and they believed it had a prophetic significance. And so I looked up the number 20 and the number 21 because they're going into the 21st year, and I really believe it's prophetic for you. And by the way, if you came out for something from the Lord today, he's getting ready to serve it up for you. If you need a situation changed in your life, get ready today. There's an anointing to get that situation changed. I don't care if it's physical, attitudinal, spiritual, whatever it is. God's going to do something in your life. Put your hand on your heart and say, God, do something in my life that I need today. In the name of Jesus, amen. The 20th Hebrew letter is re-ish, which means authority, beginning, first, and top. It's something new, something fresh, and something authoritative. And I believe something new, something fresh, and something very authoritative is coming from this location in Gaylord, Michigan, this coming year. It also means to thrust like a jet engine. And I believe that prophetically... You're not going to cut back on the throttle. You're going to keep going full speed ahead like Chuck Yeager did, even though when Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, his plane began to shake and it felt like everything was going to come apart. But he just kept that throttle forward. Everybody else up to that point pulled back because they got scared. Don't you let the devil scare you about the future. God has got the future, and he's got your future. He, and boom, broke the sound barrier, and everything smoothed out. He was going faster than the speed of sound, and it was 
peaceful after he broke through that barrier. I believe the hope is going to break a barrier this coming year because we've reached 20 years. And by the way, Pastor Norm and Barb, they deserve double honor for what they've given to be your pastor. Very few people will ever recognize the commitment that couple has made to you and your family. 20 in the gematria also means to shine, to gleam, to sprout, to spurt, to shoot forth, to flourish, to abound, and move on. The hope is destined to shine with God's glory and flourish in soul-winning, disciple-making, and having provisions. Number, whatever number it is, it means intimidation or declaration. If we let the devil intimidate us without declaring what his future holds, without declaring that we are ambassadors of another kingdom, we will live our lives intimidated. We will walk in fear instead of faith. So there's a decision to be made in every one of our lives this year. Are we going to be intimidated or are we going to make the declaration that nothing shall by any means hurt us? And devil, you have a future and it's not good. And the thing that you think is going to take you under is the very thing God has designed to take you over. Amen. Dick Mills called me one time years ago, and he said, Pastor Dave, I've got a word for you. I said, what is it, Dick? He said, you're going to get a million dollars of free advertising. That's it, buddy. Talk to you later. A couple weeks later, there was an article right on the front page of the Lansing State Journal. It had a picture of me with a wireless mic and, and my mouth open. And it, it, it said, Bible-thumping preacher whips up the crowd. <laughs> and it, it wasn't a very nice article. I saved it, though, and I... I made copies of it and hung it up everywhere because, because the following week after that came out, our church attendance was up by 300 more. And I said, thank God for the prophetic word. I got a million dollars of advertising. It didn't cost me a cent. But 20 also in the gematria means to divide, discern, select, behold, look, and it means seer, prophet, and covenant. So this is a year to be very discerning and divide things away from your life that are not adding spiritual value to you. I found one wrong association can cost a church hundreds of members, cost a business tens of thousands of dollars by one wrong strategic alliance or association. But it's also a year to select fresh leaders. And God is raising up leaders in this church that you wouldn't even expect. You'd say, them? God's anointing people to be leaders powerful leaders that can train other leaders. And 
prophets and seers. Seers, you know the difference between a prophet and a seer. They're all prophets, but prophet says, I'm hearing the Lord say. A seer says, I see the Lord. He's wearing a glorious wreath around his, his neck, and he's taking it off and presenting it to you. It's a healing wreath that's coming over you. You know, they, they see things. It's the discerning of spirits. And it's a year to sweep away the dirt. That's also the number 20. And it's to twine and bind. It's to make a battle shout. All this is in the gematria. There's very little for 21. 21, believe it or not, we're going, you're going into your 21st year, and the number 21 meant anti-Messiah. We would say anti-Christ. 21 is three sevens. It can mean judgment on a nation. There are seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and bowl judgments. Three sets of seven, 21. It can mean delay, but not denial, because Daniel prayed 21 days for something. And the angel finally appeared and said, the answer was released the minute you prayed, but we had spiritual warfare going on with the prince of Persia, and we had to call in Michael the archangel to settle it all out. So if you think your prayers are being delayed, don't open your mouth and say they've been denied, because they haven't been denied just because they've been de delayed. Now, I want to talk to you about something that's on my heart. Will you stand with me? I'm going to be very short because I hear there's some finger foods or something, and I'm really hungry. <laughs> Put your hand on your heart and say, I believe the Bible. It is God's Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that book. It shows me the way to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The book is filled with treasures, promises, and assets that belong to me by faith. Today, faith will come. My faith will grow, and I will release my faith for miracles in my life. I declare the devil bound, unable to pluck up the seed that's planted in my heart this day. God, open the eyes of my understanding. Give me ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Give me a heart to respond. And help Pastor Dave preach real simple and short. In the name of Jesus. I heard that. I heard that. You prayed I'd preach. Okay, I'll, you may be seated. I was coming back from Nashville. I was driving. And I don't normally drive. I, I don't drive long distance. I'm not good at it. I'm getting better, but I'm not real good at it. But Mary Jo was somewhere. I think she was staying, staying in Nashville with my daughter. 
And I'm driving back because I had another commitment. And, and driving back from Nashville would take me three or four days. I'd have to stop and get a hotel because I can only drive two or three hours at a time and then I'm, that's it. And I'm coming up I something. Was it 75? 65? Okay, 65. And I saw a bumper sticker on a car, and it just made me mad. It said, I create my own reality. And I said, oh, new age, that's new age junk. That Hinduism influence, you know, I create my own reality. And I'm just griping, griping all the way down the road about that bumper sticker. And the Holy Spirit stopped and arrested me and said, David, I have given you the key to create your own reality. I said, what? Holy Spirit, I know you're not new age. <laughs> and he said... Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you have a situation that you hope would change? Do you have a dream? Do you have something ahead that you really want? You hope for? Faith is the substance of the things you hope for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Things that you hope for that are not yet seen, you can use faith as your evidence that they're on the way. As long as you have a promise from God's word, you're standing up. Now, my son, when he was little, he'd pray, Dad, pray with me that I'll get a, a dirt bike. I'd say, well, what scripture are you standing on? He said, what things soever I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them and I shall have them. <laughs> I always made the kids, give me the scripture you're standing on if you want me to be in agreement with you. Well, unfortunately, my son, th that was his go-to. Everything he wanted. Dad, I, I want this kind of jersey. Okay, what scripture are you standing on? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you... Do you know what? God wants a list of what you desire. He wants a list of what you're hoping for. Because faith is a substance of things, things. What are things? Well, I don't think we should pray for things. Faith is a substance of things you hope for. And it's the evidence of things not yet seen. I was sitting in a, it was always good when Ron was on the, our, our board up in uh, Farmington Hills because there was a man of real faith there. But I remember we were sitting around the table one day. I don't, Ron wasn't there. This was, this was another table. And we're in this room and commiserating that we're, it was November, and we're $100,000 short on the budget. $100,000 short. 
Oh God, what is God? God's got to do something. God's got to do. And, and why, how could we? And they're coming up with plans. Should we sell candy bars? Or should, you know? And I looked up on the wall, and there's this big picture on the wall, and it said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I hit the table. I remember hitting the table. I hit it, and I said, gentlemen, the evidence has just arrived. The $100,000 is going to be taken care of. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And they all started rejoicing because they thought I was going to give the $100,000. <laughs> no, I, I just said if we can use faith as our evidence for something that we want, something we desire, if we can use faith as our evidence, the evidence is in, we're going to meet the budget this year. That was November. I didn't send the $100,000 check in. Now it's December. Now it's December 18th. And guess what? Some lady in Texas died and left $100,000 to the Michigan district in her will, and we made the budget. That $100,000 came in. I say, why don't God's people believe what God said? Do you know what Charles Capp said one day before he went to heaven? He was an old farmer guy, but he was a man of faith. And... He said, I was talking to the Lord one day and, and the Lord said, I told my people they can have what they say, but most of my people are going around saying what they have. When I'm in a healing service and I say, how many of you need a healing touch? People raise their hands, they'll come up, I'll pray for them. But what I want to hear them tell me is, what I can say it over and over again. Tell me, what is it that you want? That's what Jesus said to Bartimaeus. What is it that you want the Lord to do? He didn't say, what you got? What do you got? Well, can't you tell I'm blind? Well, you would have stayed blind too. He, Bartimaeus told Jesus what he wanted. And you know what? He got what he wanted. He didn't speak what he had. He spoke what he wanted. And Jesus gave him the miracle. And there are this place that I mean to tell you. You know, I walk in some places and I don't sense any miracles. I walked in this place today and I really, honestly, from my heart, and I'm not just bluffing, I believe there are miracles hanging over your head right now, ready to be snipped and fall right on you. Except God's people got to quit living substandardly in faith. In other words, God's got so much more for each of us but I've found that many people feel like they don't deserve it. And you know what? You don't. Just settle that right now. None of us deserve any good thing. Any, any good thing. We don't deserve it. But praise God for His amazing grace.
I was reading Galatians again and reading Romans again. You, you want to get lifted up, read Galatians and read Romans. In fact, I wrote a commentary on the book of Galatians. It's not out yet, but it's called uh, Any Day Now or something like that. And, uh, <clears throat> but it's all, all written, edited, and it's, it's getting ready to go. It's a com Every preacher ought to get it because it's simple. It's, it's called The Common Man's Commentary, America's Blue Collar Bible Study. The whole verse-by-verse verse study in, in Galatians. I did Galatians, Romans, John, and First and Second Thessalonians. And it's exciting when you see it in God's Word. No, I don't deserve it. God, I'm a mess. Not as much of a mess as I was three weeks ago, but I'm still a mess. Why? Because I'm not exactly like Jesus yet. When, it, when he said, pray for your enemies, I do. God, break their neck. <laughs> Let their path be slippery. Let them fall. I pray for my enemies. I'll tell you who the real saint was, our, our superintendent, Brother Leach. He would not pray an imprecatory prayer against his enemies. He'd just let them torment him. And so I was the one that had to pray him. <laughs> Some people are so far more advanced than I am, and, and that's okay. But you know what? You've heard of Hittites, Jebusites, Israelites? I'm a favorite. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm one of God's favorites. Now, I, I got to tell you, there is, if you read the modern translations, you'll read a, a verse that says, God has no favorites. That's not a good translation because he loves everybody, but he favors people differently. Faith is a substance. Now, if you get down to verse 3 in chapter 11, it talks about everything you see was created by what you don't see. Do you know what that means? Now, everybody just skips over verse 3. It tells us that it's the invisible that moves the visible. It's the invisible that can change the visible. So, years ago there was that book going around and it circulated in a lot of churches but it wasn't a Christian book nobody would ever get to heaven reading it it was called The Secret it was about how thoughts attract well you know what you, gotta, you can't throw everything out with the bathwater because as a man thinketh in his heart so is he well how do you think with your heart because your heart has brain cells just like your brain has some heart cells isn't that an interesting discovery in the last decade What we think about is what we begin to attract. Uh, you think about a certain car you want. Now you start seeing that car everywhere. You, you, you start attracting. The, okay, so thoughts do attract, but thoughts can create nothing. They can attract things, but what creates? God said, let there be light. Said, words create. God's faith, he calleth those things which be not as though they were. It was words that created. 
And God said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. How do I have the faith of God? Well, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's Him. It's not me anyway. Sometimes, I was talking with a, a really a successful pastor the other day, and he said, sometimes I feel like I'm under the carpet, I'm so low. And, I, and he said, I just can't tell my congregation that. No, because congregations want your pastor up here on a pedestal. But you know, you, and, and you should honor your pastor. When you introduce them to people, don't introduce, hi, I'd like you to meet Norm, to show that you're really good friends with the pastor. You introduce him properly. This is Pastor Norm. This is Pastor Barb. This is Pastor and, or Reverend Scott and Reverend Ruth, our missionaries to Indonesia. It's just proper etiquette. You know, it, I want to punch people when they, you know, you, people can call me by my first name. It doesn't really bother me that much. But if they're introducing me to somebody that, don't, that doesn't know me, it's rude to say, yeah, this is Dave. <laughs> no, it's just Dave. <laughs> At least say Pastor Dave. You know what I mean? It's just proper etiquette. So properly introduce your pastor. And let me give you another clue. I don't know why I'm going off on this, but I am. It happens when I'm here. <laughs> well, I got invited back anyway, so anyway. <laughs> John and Debbie, it's so good to see you guys. Man. Uh, you, I see you every day, and Larry. You got the most beautiful motorcycle I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Have you ever noticed these Harley drivers and the guys that drive really cool motorcycles? They won't smile or wave at you. No, they have to have a certain look on their face. And this guy I know, we're good friends. He got a new Harley and he goes by, I wave at him, he goes. So, when he was in his truck one day, I stopped him. I said, hey, did, did I offend you somehow? He said, no, why? And I said, you never smile at me when I wave at you when you're on your motorcycle. He said, oh, you can't when you're on your motorcycle. He said, you got to keep up the persona. <laughs> do you do that too, or would you wave at me? No, I don't have a reputation to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a reputation to keep up. He said upkeep, but he meant keep up. All right, so what is it that you, have you ever made a list for God? What is it that you hope for? Have you ever made a list? I had a practical pastoral ministries uh, class over at Mount Hope Bible Training Institute. And, and, and by the way, it was an accredited institute. We were accredited with the Oral Roberts Educational Fellowship. And and uh, it could transfer for people getting their credentials that were going to become pastors, reverends, you know, whatever, missionaries. And in that class, I, it was a smaller class, probably 12 people a year. 
maybe more, maybe it's 20. But I'd always ask them to list 50 things you want in your ministry. 50 things you're hoping for in your ministry. I think in 15 years of teaching those pastors and future pastors, only one person was able to list 50 things that they really hope for. I'm going to ask you to just, before the day is out, to write down 10 things you're hoping for. Because if faith is the substance or the substantiating of the things you hope for, and it's the evidence of things that you don't yet see but you want to see, you can bring things out of the invisible realm of God's kingdom into the visible natural realm. Because it's the invisible realm that moves the visible realm. Oh, and, and so the Holy Spirit showed me thoughts do attract, but words create. Now, the third thing in creating a new reality is action. You got to take action. Some sort of faith action. If you're well, I'm just waiting around for God to do it. If you believe it, you're going to act on it. Faith without action is dead. It's dead faith. It's faith, but it's dead faith. And dead faith won't bring out of the invisible what you need in the visible. Let me, let me put it this way. And, and Ron, I love your family. You know, her, her, uh, Ron's sister... Her husband died a, a few years ago. Great guy, and she was alone for a year, and she, she was one of my envelope stuffers. We have a newsletter every month, and before COVID hit, we had all the, you know, 20 people there stuffing envelopes, and Elaine was one of them. And in church, I had told a story about a lady that went to her pastor and said, Pastor, would you pray that I'll, I'll get a husband? And the pastor said, well, what do you want in a husband? And she said, I just want a good, godly man. And the pastor said, well, why don't you go out and buy a pair of pants, a pair of man's pants in the size, you know, 34, 32, <laughs> and hang them on your bedpost. And every night, pray for that guy. And every morning when you get up, thank God for the guy. And so she'd, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray that I don't get a creep. <laughs> she didn't pray that. But she said, Lord, uh, I thank you for my, my, my home. I thank you for my dog. I thank you for my cat. I, I thank you for those. Uh, I thank you some this and that. And then please send me a man to fill those pants. You know, there were seven, eight months go by, and what happens? She runs into somebody, and boom, they get married, and 30, 34, 32, you know, I mean, and just happily married. Well, Ron's sister 
heard me tell that story, and she asked if, if, if she could have one of my ties. <laughs> Don't tell her I ever said this publicly, Ron. But, so I gave her one of my ties, and she put it on her bedpost. Lord, I need a man, and that's no lie. Send me one who can wear this tie. <laughs> By chance. Now, was this, was this God's miracle, or was this just uh, coincidence? Thanks for helping me with that word. That's an awful big word for my vocabulary. <laughs> and she ran into a person who used to be her old boyfriend in high school. And it just happened that her old boyfriend in high school married somebody else, and she married somebody else. Both had good spouses, but they both had died. Both of them were in heaven. And they hit it off. I have never seen anybody so happy in all my life as your sister. I mean, I went to an event where I met Larry, and uh, somehow Elaine left the table to go get more dessert or something. I don't know what. And he came up to me and said, where is she? Have you seen her? He said, I haven't seen her in two minutes. <laughs> oh, he is fun. So... I'm in church Sunday, and I'm going out, and this lady walks up to me, and she said, Pastor Dave, I want you to meet my husband. I said, what? She said, yeah, Elaine gave me your tie, and I put your tie over my bedpost. And here, I, I look, at they just look like they go together. I said, you guys look like you go together. And she said, yeah. Then I get a telephone call from this other lady. She said, can I come over and get one of your ties? They're starting to hear. Well, here's what I'm saying is, you know what they're doing? They're taking action on their faith. They're doing something. And uh, she came over, and uh, this other lady came over. She said, I gave her a tie, and she said, would you happen to have a shirt, too, that I could? Well, I don't know. Do you want an extra large or large? <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, uh, I got to keep both handy because, <laughs> you know, you come here and you eat and, oh boy. So the Holy Spirit taught me that we settle for less than God intended. And we can create a new reality if we don't like the reality we're living. How? The master key. Faith is the substance of the things we hope for, and we can use it as our evidence when we can't yet see them manifested. But if we'll remember these three things, thoughts will attract, but words Start the creation. We call those things that be not as though they were, Romans 4, 17. And number three, we always have to put action to our faith. We have to do something to 
I mean, it's, God knows our heart. Of course he knows our heart. But I say it this way. We, we do something, like when those four guys let the paralytic man down through the roof, the Bible said Jesus saw their faith. How did Jesus see their faith? By what they did. And when these ladies put the ties on the end of their bedpost and prayed every night and thanked God every morning, they were taking a step of faith. Words begin the creation, but actions begin the manifestation of the thing you hope for. The invisible becoming visible. I have a friend, Billy Burke, a healing evangelist. He's the humblest, sweetest healing evangelist you'd ever know. And... Uh, we ministered together just a couple, maybe a month ago. I, I was doing a conference in California, and Billy was at the same conference. And I told people, there's something about Billy that's different than most people I know. When Billy is, is ministering, there's faith, huh? When Billy's ministering, he'll be talking to you. Let me have your fan. He'll say, and uh, what, what's, uh, what's going on here? And Oh, well... You know, I, uh, I really want my eyes healed. Uh-huh. And he'll be looking off somewhere else, and he'll say, really? And he's talking to you, but it's, it's like he's looking into heaven, searching the storehouses for the new part this person needs. And then he brings it back out. I have ne I've seen more miracles per capita in Billy's services than any other service I've ever been in. I've been in Catherine Coleman's services. Mary Jo and I have been to three or four Catherine Coleman services before she went to heaven. And, uh, and Billy has really got it. Now, I'm going to close here by saying this. You can have a lot more than you have things. And I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about relational things. Blessing things. If you'll remember, your thoughts are going to bring an attraction. Your words are going to begin a creation. And your actions are going to begin the manifestation. You can have more than you have, but let me give you the words of Jesus. What would it profit you if you gain the whole world and then lose your soul? I'm so thankful somebody had the courage to tell me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody will ever get to heaven apart from Jesus. I was raised in church. I believed the Apostles' Creed. I could pray the Lord's Prayer by memory. I knew John 3.16 and I knew Psalm 23, but if my heart were to quit beating, I would have gone to the regions of the damned to await the great white throne judgment because I had no practice. I believed the right things and would have gone to hell. Why? I put it this way. I had orthodoxy, but no orthopraxy. I could believe you must be born again, but I wasn't born again. I could believe that God loved me enough to save me, but not have ever received his forgiveness and the new nature put in me. Now, I know how to pray a miracle prayer. And this miracle prayer will give you the assurance that if your heart were to quit beating or Jesus were to come, 
you're ready to meet him. I believe we're getting very, very close to the sound of a trumpet. When the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That day is approaching. And you, will, you, you have never heard so many people that you love and respect teaching on Bible prophecy than right now. And why is it God is stirring us, getting us ready for something? And it's going to be good. It's not going to be good for many, but it's going to be good for you. Why? Because you're arm in arm with Jesus. Now let's bow our heads and close our eyes and I'm going to ask you this. If if you know beyond a question, if your heart were to quit beating or Jesus were to come, you're ready to meet him. At the count of three, slip your hand up and let me know you're ready. There's not a sin, nothing between you and God today. You know you're ready for heaven. Lift your hand way up high. You remember the day when you were born again. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Now, some of you didn't want to lie to me and you did not raise your hand because you know you're not sure. I want to pray a miracle prayer for you. And it only takes a minute. You're here today and you'd say, Pastor Dave, I really want to be sure that everything is okay between God and me. I want to make sure that if Jesus comes, I'm ready. I want to make sure if my heart quits beating, I'm ready to meet the Lord. There's not a sin, nothing between God and me right now. I know my sins have been forgiven. I know I have a new nature and I know I have a home in heaven. You, wanna, you really wanted to raise your hand, but now I can help you. At the count of three, if you want to pray this miracle prayer with me to be sure you have a home in heaven, slip your hand up. One, two, three, right now. Hands are going up. Everybody with an upraised hand, stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet. If you're raising your hand now, stand to your feet. It's okay. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Now, some of you, you may have been brought up in the church. You may believe in Jesus, but you're still not sure. I want, to, I want to pray this to give you the assurance. Now, those of you that are standing, pray this loud enough to where your ear can hear your voice. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And right now, at the hope, in Gaylord, Michigan. I receive you as my Lord or I rededicate myself to you. Thank you, Jesus. I believe I'm saved because your word said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I call on you, Lord. I thank you. I'm saved. I have a home in heaven and a brand new start in life beginning now. Amen. Amen. Now let's everybody stand. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hope. I would like Pastor Norm or whoever's going to come and lead us in the next... Uh, the next thing. And those of you that raised your hands, uh, you, you can have a free copy of my New Life book. I know Pastor Norm has some, but uh, also if you go to DaveWilliams.com 
slash new life, you can have a free download. Uh, there's a lot of free stuff there too. Pastor Norm, our hero. And by the way, if, if you're interested in one of those books, uh, see Cheryl, she's right over here and she's got a whole bunch of them. We'd love to give you a, a hard copy. And as Dave said, they're free, um, but they're invaluable, right? It's the greatest Bible study you'll ever do, especially for a new believer. So I'm going to close. And if you know where the children's ministry is, it's all the way down through the coat room uh, in the children's room down there. That's where the snackies are. Anybody else hungry? All right. Anybody's stomach going? Father, thank you for a beautiful day, for a beautiful service with friends and family. Lord, bless uh, Dave and Mary Jo as they continue their ministry to leaders and churches all across the globe. Lord, thank you for Scott and Ruth. And, and again, special blessings on them. Help them to raise their support sooner than later. And Lord, wherever they go, show favor on them. And Lord, for this body of believers, we just pray that you would bless each one as only you can. And as Dave said today, as Dr. Dave said, Lord, that we would use our faith, the evidence of things not seen, Lord. Help us to use it. To you be the glory, the praise, and the honor. Bless the food. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming out today.